Hi, and welcome to The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly of Writing in Academia, a podcast where three writing nerds discuss the joys and jitters of writing in a research context. So today's topic is punctuation. Great. So exciting. <laughs> <laughs> With a focus on the comma. Mm-hmm. Fascinating stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's the big deal? Does it even matter? What do you think? Of course I think, it does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It matters a great deal. <laughs> <laughs> And I, 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 I often, when I read, uh, you know, paper, uh, papers, thesis, text that students write, I, I usually, I, I'm, very often I go in and put extra comments, comments mm. in the text because it takes a lot of effort to understand long sentences when there, when there are no commas in the text. So. I agree. Right. We don't, you don't see the sort of logic in the sentence. It's difficult. I find uh, the commas just help me. I like to... Um, I read quickly a lot of the time to sort of get an understanding, especially if I'm doing something like editing work. I want to read it quickly to get a, a sort of a picture, and then I can go in and do detailed stuff. But it's so much more work if there aren't commas. The commas help me skim. Mm-hmm. They help me sort of figure out what goes together, what's separate, where are there breaks in the train of thought, that sort of thing. Without yeah. them, I'm just lost. When thinking about punctuation, I, I remembered uh, something Jenny said in the previous uh, episode. And, and you, ta- you said that, you know, it takes a lot of mental energy to read something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in fact, it's a miracle that we can read in the first place. I mean, when you think about it, everyone can talk. You know, yeah. this is something that we seem to do. It's it's like an intuition, or or it's it's uh, genetically wired into our brain. Linguists have argued, at least some. Uh, but writing, we really have to be taught how to yeah. do that in school. Yeah. And so, and also commas. When you when you ask people, where do you put the commas? Ooh, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, it's difficult. Yeah. So we've developed a system of signs that we use to write, so we know, and then, and then we have to decode those signs. And, mm-hmm. and um, we may not sort of actually ask ourselves this question every day, but I've uh, looked into the matter a bit, uh, how this system was developed or mm-hmm. how the system of punctuation was developed. Uh, so now is, um, are you ready for a store sort of short uh, I'm always, always ready for a good story. <laughs> I don't know whether it's yeah. a good story. I love I actually, this kind of nerdiness. Yeah. <laughs> well, I actually <laughs> stole it from an article by Keith Houston at the BBC Culture website. Mm-hmm. So if you're interested in that topic, you can get the long version at that website. It's www.bbc.com and then um, slash culture. And you can find it there. The, the article is called The Mysterious Origins of Punctuation. That sounds mm-hmm. very suspenseful. Yeah, I think it was a good story. Uh, And actually then, uh, the coming about of punctuation, then the English punctuation, uh, goes back to uh, old Egypt and and a librarian there Mm -hmm. who got fed up with uh, the writing of the Greeks because that didn't used to have any pauses whatsoever. So no pauses. So everything was just one long string of letters. Mm -hmm. There weren't any breaks between words either. It was just... and actually, that makes sense yeah. because if you listen to or if you look at sonograms, they're called sonograms, right? That's what you know you do when you record and then you uh, and then you actually sort you of just look type at the, out the the words. Yeah, mm-hmm. that you don't see any pauses anywhere. Okay. Almost not between words necessarily, hmm. and also if you think back to when you started out uh, learning a new language, yeah, uh, it's really difficult to separate. The words, but isn't that also sort of the fact that um, the the letters are units in and of themselves, and when we put them together, they don't, we don't pronounce each letter individually. We put them together to make sounds. Yeah, 
And so then the way that we actually work with language when we take it from written to speech is, is we, we transform it. Yeah, we have to. So, so we, we can hear even if we don't have, even if we don't put breaks. Because we've learned the words. So, yeah. so we made sense of them somehow. Yeah. So we, we put in those pauses, uh, but we don't necessarily make them. Yeah. And this was how then, you know, the, the writings of the old Greeks were, were put. But, but actually, in order to understand something and to decode it, it makes a lot of sense to put pauses between larger units. We're going to return to those larger units, not mm -hmm. necessarily between words, perhaps, but between larger units, because mm -hmm. we do make pauses in places. Mm -hmm. And and this uh, a librarian, then, he figured out a system to put sort of just dots at the top or the middle or the bottom uh, of uh, after the, the sort of sentences then, or in, in between some of the letters just to indicate pauses. And it made everything a lot easier to read. Mm -hmm. Uh, and these were sort of early commas, colons, and periods. But then, um, after this sort of system had been established by by the librarian, uh, Aristophanes. Yes, that was his name. I couldn't. Stupid Greek names. I showed this name to Jenny, and I said, "I'm never going to be able to pronounce it uh, when I talk." So, well, that was his name. Uh, uh, but then the Roman Empire rose, uh, and the cult of relying on the spoken word continued because nobody really actually expected to understand reading. They I mean, a lot of uh, writing, a lot of people did, weren't able to read anyway. So, mm -hmm. so the spoken word was, uh, was the law, so to, uh, so to speak, or that's uh, what people relied on. And this uh, then again became a cult in the Roman Empire and, and, uh, and everybody forgot about um, the system of punctuation. But after uh, the Roman Empire or during the Roman Empire, Christians came around and they really enjoyed spreading their word in writing. And uh, back came punctuation and was developed. And now we have a pretty sophisticated system, I would say, mm -hmm. with punctuation. Yeah. I so the morale of... similar as well. I mean, when you said it's English punctuation, that's yeah. but, but it's pretty similar in Swedish, I think. Yeah, in Swedish. So, I mean, and, and, and those are closely related languages. Yeah. Uh, I, find, I find that uh, when people, when I ask people to proofread stuff that I write in Swedish, mm -hmm. the most common thing they do is remove commas. Oh, mm. okay. Yeah, mm. they think you use too many commas. You shouldn't have any commas here. Yeah, that's the thing. You 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 have some rules. Yeah. Of, thumb of where to put things and then ideas you, about. And yeah. then you don't. Uh, yeah, maybe those rules are false friends. They don't are. I I I never reflect on that there's a difference between Swedish and English. I there are a couple, find a big difference. There are a couple yeah. of differences uh, yeah. uh, between. And, and it's because uh, part of the difference is that we have other ways of uh, signaling when something is dependent in the sentence in, mm -hmm. in Swedish, that we okay. can alter the word order. But we're not going to go into that because no, it gets really complicated. complicated. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the moral of the story is that punctuation makes a text easier to read and clearer. I could not agree more. Mm -hmm. So, um, do you have any favorite stories about punctuation where it really made a difference? I, just, I came across yeah. one, uh, it was published and it, it made it into the news in a whole bunch of places, but I guess the fact that something about a comma gets into the New York Times is a pretty special thing. <laughs> um, you probably read about this story, dear listeners. Mm -hmm. A couple of years ago, there was, a, there was a dispute between a dairy company and the drivers, delivery drivers for the company who who claimed that they were owed overtime mm -hmm. for delivering beyond their 40-hour work week. 
and uh, and it was because in it, there's a there's a contract a clause in their contract that talks about the things that are exempt from overtime. And I'll read you the so full. So the ones that they have to do uh, anyway. Yeah, um, yeah. The, 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 you, or, you don't you aren't allowed time and a half. So right. one hundred fifty percent of your salary for. Yeah. If you're doing these tasks, then that's seen as, you know, because I guess it goes in waves and like these, you know, if it's dairy products, they're sensitive to time and things like that. So mm. they're called perishable <laughs> items. Yeah. yeah. Um, but so so the, the list of exemptions goes like this. The canning, comma, processing, preserving. I, I won't say comma every time. I'll pause deliberately when there's a comma. The canning, processing, preserving, freezing, drying, marketing, storing, Packing for shipment or distribution of, and then three things, agricultural products, meat and fish products, and perishable foods. And the company argued that packing for shipment was one thing and distribution was a separate thing, and Mm -hmm. they were both exempt, Mm -hmm. but the lawyers for the drivers were able to successfully argue that because there's no comma between packing for shipment and or distribution that it was packing for shipment or distribution was the thing, and therefore actually driving stuff was not exempt. Yeah, so mm-hmm. it would pack, packing for shipment or packing for distribution. Though, exactly. Uh, but not the driving itself. Exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so then they ended up having to pay a $5 million uh, settlement to yeah. these drivers because they had failed to use, in this case it would be called the serial comma or the Oxford mm-hmm. comma, mm-hmm. which is a stylistic choice in most people's minds because... The thing that comes between the second last and the last item in a list doesn't always have to have a comma. Mm-hmm. I am a huge fan of the serial comma for exactly this reason, especially when you suddenly go from having single word items in a list, canning, processing, preserving, all of those are single word things, to suddenly packing for shipment. Yeah. That's yeah. confusing. Mm. Or distribution. Mm-hmm. Which what's interesting is that... Because if we're back, it, it'll be packing for shipment... Or distribution, so it would be shipment or distribution would mm-hmm. be like the same uh, packing for something. Yeah, and the shipment, shipment or distribution. Yeah, yeah, would go together. Exactly. But actually, this was not the intention. No, yeah. it, and uh, and you could have cleared that up with a comma before or exactly yeah. packing yeah. for shipment, comma or distribution of, and then these three things. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. What's weird is that their solution was not to add a comma. Their solution was to replace all of the commas with semicolons <laughs> and add a semicolon after packing for shipment. It just goes to show that they had no idea. No idea what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that's expensive, right? $5 million because someone didn't like the Oxford comma. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. use the Oxford comma, guys. So incidentally, I think the Oxford uh, the Oxford comma is not used in Swedish, if no. there are any Swedish listeners out, out there. No, it's not. I, it's, I, get, I get it cut yeah. from my writing all the time, and then I put it back. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's recommended in English, I think. Is it, or is it I different in different countries? Or I think pretty divisive topic actually Um, people get serious about the Oxford comma so Um, there's actually a comment on it in this New York Times article that the the style guide for the New York Times doesn't use it Mm -hmm. uh, they don't explain why Mm -hmm. Uh, there's a there's this wonderful woman I forget what her YouTube name is she's the she's the chief editor the chief copy editor for the New Yorker magazine 
Mm. And she's got these series of little videos where she talks about different things, like editorial things. I think I've listened to one of those. She's so wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, She also talks about the Oxford comma. And Mm. I think the New Yorker also chooses not to use it for stylistic choices that are not really clear. Because usually, you know, uh, people understand the list anyway. Mm. Uh, It's pretty clear. If it's Uh, simple, like if you say strawberries, raspberries, and blueberries, you understand that. But the Oxford comma would then go before and. Yes. Mm. It costs nothing to add that extra comma. Mm. If if you're, you know, if you have a character count mm. that you're up against, maybe then you can justify removing the Oxford comma. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was actually But like otherwise just I mean it, I submitted an mm. application for funding yesterday, and then I was looking for <laughs> commas to take out. Because <laughs> you had a character Because I had, yes, I did. <laughs> so I was trying to get cut back a hundred characters or something. So. But could you not just find a couple of words to remove? Well, I did that as well. Yeah, yeah we were, okay. yeah. Okay. So we managed mm. in the end. We all the ants. All the ants, yeah. yeah. Turn them into ampersands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I I also uh, a few single quotation marks and then I exchange them with italics instead for the word. Oh, that's and smart. Yeah, that's clever. Mm. So things like ways that. around character limits, guys. Mm. So that's my story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, I've said before that we don't really make pauses between words necessarily uh, in language, but we make them between other types of units. So now, ta da. Uh, the time has come to introduce what type of units I'm talking about or what I uh, like the most interesting unit perhaps for the comma. Mm-hmm. And the most interesting unit for the comma is the clause. Ah, it's not Santa Claus then. No, it's not Santa Claus. It's it's the, it's a unit called a clause. And I'd like to um, talk about clauses rather than sentences here mm-hmm. because it's really difficult to define a sentence. It's whatever comes before a period. Yeah, exactly. yeah, it starts with a capital letter and it <laughs> ends, ends with, with a period, period. Yeah. and that's how we can define it. Yeah. But it can actually go on forever. Mm-hmm. I've seen that. Yeah, I've yeah. Seen that. yeah. Uh, and there's a famous example I think from Ulysses, James Joyce Ulysses, mm-hmm. and goes on for pages and pages. I I don't remember how many pages, mm-hmm. but because um, it's you know this is a stream of consciousness type of writing, and it just goes on. Mm-hmm. If you read literature like that. You're just yeah. like, I just, you get tired. You're yeah. like, can I have one, can I have a break, please? Can yeah. I have a period? And essentially, and essentially this is, you know, the sentence uh, does that. It gives you that break. Uh, yeah. And clauses too, in a way, but you can then combine them into uh, sentences. And, and we, we don't like the sentences to be too long, just like we don't like paragraphs to be too long. Uh, it's nice to have that break. read The, uh, the Autumn of the Patriarch? No. By Gabriela Garcia Marquez. No. Uh, the first paragraph is 42 pages long. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty dense. It took me many attempts because I want to like, I want to, you know, take a break when there's like an easy spot where mm. I can mark where I'm mm. stopping. Yeah. And so it took me like four attempts to get into the book because I kept having to stop before and I lost my place. And you also talk about this uh, regarding paragraphing that with this sort of dual column so the double column uh, yeah. layout that yeah. many in many uh, journals now mm-hmm. we have that, and then you actually it, a, a fairly short paragraph looks pretty long, yeah, because there are two columns, mm. yeah, yeah. Uh, so so we seem to want to shorten our paragraphs a little bit. Uh, I don't know whether that is because we read online or on the screen nowadays and not on paper, and mm. maybe that's you know and the comma then can be uh, a pause between clauses. So one clause, essentially, like you can have sentences and they just consist of one clause. Mm-hmm. And th- those would be simple sentences. And As that would be an 
independent clause. Yes, that's another word for it. It's an independent clause. It's just one clause uh, that is a sentence. So if I say something like, I read, that's all I need for a clause, for a simple sentence. Yeah, yeah. You have a subject, I, and you have a verb, read. Yeah. And sometimes you need an object. Yeah, if you say something like Mm. kick... Yes. It's sort of in the uh, uh, in the verb that the kick, if you have a kicking incident mm-hmm. or event, you need somebody kicking and something to be kicked. Maybe babies just lay around kicking in the air. But then you I was thinking, I don't yeah. know if I, I don't know if I fully agree with that. Like I bring probably yeah. is one yeah. of those ver- verbs that like I bring Something, something to someone. To some, yeah. So no, we're making it complicated now. Yeah. Right? yeah. I mean, the, so the subject uh, subject is the doer. Uh, the verb is uh, what's done. Yes. Yeah. And the what's done or what's what, done to. What's done or to. what is. Yeah. So an yeah. independent clause is something that contains both a subject and a verb yeah. and can and conveys a complete thought. Yeah. Uh, but the complete thought is a bit difficult sometimes to sort of you know what is a complete thought? Maybe I want to have something more. Okay. <laughs> that, but but it, it, okay, but it, it can stand on its own two it, legs. It can stand. Yeah. Uh, we have intuitions about this yeah. uh, in writing, yeah. and and we learn it. Like my son gets this; uh, he's ten years old, and he gets these exercises uh, from his uh, teacher that you know answer the questions in complete sentences, and he sort of understands what that is. Mm-hmm. We we are taught that mm-hmm. this is a complete sentence. It's something that starts with a capital a letter <laughs> and ends with a period, yeah. and it, it is complete in some way. It involves a verb that has some sort of participant along with the verb. Mm-hmm. So there's something is something, or some somebody does something, and so in that sense, it's, it's a thought. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to think of it as a sort of a, a scene, like, mm-hmm. you know, you, you have, it's not just one word, because um, thoughts can be one word, can they? They can be, like, thoughts are difficult to define. They can be, no yeah, they so can be an idea, it's a, yeah. It's a dumb thing to say, a, a complete thought, but it's... But it's defined but that way in many books. A, cla- uh, a clause is something that contains a subject and a verb, and, and that can stand by itself as a sentence. I think the yeah. problem yeah. with that yeah. definition, yeah. a complete thought, is, yeah, like, yeah, what's yeah. complete, and yeah. then we get philosophical, in a, in and an that's aca- just a mess. It's, it's, it can be a full academic paper. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and this is why it's so <laughs> difficult to define this, you know, what a sentence is, because many people have tried that way and said, you know, it's a complete thought, or whatever. But but the clause, at least, that can stand is, I read is okay. Mm-hmm. You know, this is what I do, I read. Um, if um, you have, uh, I read and I write, there you actually make a pause, usually, before and. Mm-hmm. I read and I write. Mm-hmm. But you wouldn't pause if you said, I read and write. No, maybe not. Uh, and you would have to independent clauses there too because you can skip the subject in the, the eye in yeah. the eye or you could argue that you have read and write that uh, that are combined uh, but see the pauses that you make are between clauses mm-hmm. and in i read and i write you have combined two clauses into a compound sentence. So you yeah, have yeah, two okay. independent yeah. sentences together mm-hmm. and you can combine them with these coordinating conjunctions. And, yeah, or, yeah. but. For. For. Mm. Nor. Yet. Yet. The fanboys. So, the fanboys, yeah. <laughs> You've heard me <laughs> talking about this. Um, but uh, let's consider another clause that can work alone as a sentence. My book is dull. Oh. Yeah? So this clause is about something being dull. And the something that is the combination of words, you know, that the something 
being dull is the combination my book. So if we want to get technical and we already have been, we've already been technical, Jenny, because you said this, the book, my book then is the subject. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. And then you have is, my book is something. And then what comes after is the subject predicative or a subject complement or whatever it mm -hmm. describes uh, my book. Uh, but even if we don't want to worry about the terminology, we need to understand that my book is what is and that doll describes my book. And this means that we need to see these parts as units. And the, these are the units of the clause. Hmm? Okay, and, so unit one is my book. Yeah. And unit two is, and unit three is dull. Yeah. Okay. And so maybe, maybe we utter these things in just one string and we don't have any pauses, but chances are that we can have pauses between those units as well. And, mm -hmm. and they will typically be, be between those units, like, you know, between the subject and the verb, perhaps that's where we make a pause or, or, or between uh, the verb and the subject predicative. So we make pauses, not necessarily between each and every word, because if we did, it would sound very staccato. Mm. Weird. Yeah, weird. Yeah. Uh, but now, okay, so listen to this sentence then. An important motivation for performing the survey was to find candidates for benchmark materials. Mm -hmm. Do you see it in the sentence? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what are the units here? An important motivation for performing the survey is the first unit. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Was. But I, but I was, yeah. Yeah. That's the first unit. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because because that yeah. whole thing is the thing that was. Right. No. True mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then was is the second unit. And the third unit is to find candidates for benchmark materials. Right. And you so ring. Something was. And then, it, yeah. Okay, yeah. 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 So it. something was something. Mm -hmm. And if we, so if we say an important motivation for performing the survey was to find candidates for benchmark materials, those of you listening can't see the sentence that I can see, but a motivation was to find something. Mm -hmm. It's like if you make it really simple. Mm, if you make it really simple. Yeah. But we recognize this type style of writing uh, from academic writing. Mm -hmm. We have very long sentence components. Now, um, it's sort of difficult to understand if, you, if we're not used to reading this type of uh, language. Can we paraphrase it in any way so, so that a 10-year-old would understand it? So I would say we wanted to do a survey. Mm -hmm. And the reason we wanted to do the survey was we had to find... Can we think... I mean, candidates, I guess we're talking about people. Mm-hmm. Because candidate can mean a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. For materials, um, candidates. For benchmark materials. That's like when you wanna you wanna sort of like figure out what's kind of normal. Like if I'm mm. gonna try and summarize it for a ten year old, I'm not gonna say uh, no, know, but, baseline or anything. But like what that, was interesting right? is how you started. Yeah. How did you start? You said. We wanted to do a survey. We wanted to do a survey. Yeah. And. Yeah. Then, so we actually split up. Mm -hmm. this fairly long unit into a number of clauses. Mm -hmm. And this is how we talk. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we get something, usually uh, when we do this, it's like the, the reason why we wanted to do this or we wanted to do this or, or we wanted to do this because. Mm -hmm. uh, so we get 
these sort of um, elements in the sentence that are the reason why or how we wanted to do things. And those are also called clause elements or units of the clause. Uh, they're called adverbials for anyone who wants to uh, get technical. Mm. And because they describe a verb. Yeah, or they sort of, describe or the sort of circumstances around uh, this scene that we're describing in the independent clause. Or the I love sentence. talking about grammar with you because I just do it and you know why. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> sort of. Uh, but um, it's uh, easier to understand a clause where the units are shorter. And that's what mm. you did, Jenny, when you paraphrased. Mm -hmm. um, but then we have to make the sentence. Sometimes we, we make the sentence into a sentence that contains subclauses or dependent clauses, mm. usually mm. when we do that. Mm -hmm. Then the units become uh, shorter, uh, but the grammar, in a way, becomes more complex. Mm -hmm. And this is where we need, then we need the comma. Yeah. If, if we do that. Uh, so if we have um, a sentence like this, and this is from Google Scholar. Eivind, can you read this sentence? Do you see it this in the first cycle? All right. So it says, in the first cycle of the ACO selection of pipe options is random, comma, as there is an equal probability that each option will be chosen. Do we understand this then? No. Uh, complete gibberish <laughs> to me. Yeah. So in the first cycle of the ACO, selection of pipe options is random as there is an equal probability that each option will be ch chosen. So I get stuck because I'm like, ACO selection is what I think is some sort of term. Yeah. But that's not it at all, is it? No. We get sort of a clue at the end of it because it says, as there is an equal probability that each option will be chosen. So there's something about this being random. Mm -hmm. But then we have to, then we, we have to, okay, what is it then so that the, is the random? The second part here, after the comma, as there is an equal probability, that's the dependent clause. That's the that, dependent even clause. Even I can see that. But the first yeah. part is uh, there's something missing. There's a comma missing somewhere. Yeah. Because there's a dependent clause at the beginning too. There's something that uh, is a clause element, at least, yeah, at the beginning, okay. uh, that is not the subject. Because what's really important when we read is to understand, uh, we started out with this, you know, the, the independent clause needs a subject and a predicate verb. And that's going to be the complete thought, or that's going to be sort of the, it's, it's the core mm -hmm. of what we're talking about. If we don't understand what is or what does something, then it's mm. just going to be really, really difficult to understand the sentence. And here we have in the first cycle of the ACO, pause, mm -hmm. in the first cycle of the ACO, we don't know what the ACO is, it's uh, something in this field that probably people will understand, but in the first cycle of this, in the first cycle of X, say, mm -hmm. Hmm. or in the first cycle of the experiment, so right now it happens to be in the first cycle of the ACO, then we pause, and then it becomes selection of pipe options is random. It that's would, the main clause, isn't it? That's that's the main clause. That's where it, that's where it starts. Selection of pipe options is the subject. Yeah. Then it that's random. In the first cycle, mm. something is random. Yeah. But it's just we don't see where that something begins because we think it's ACO selection. Yeah. We don't see where the sort of 
beginning the circumstance mm. yeah. at the beginning or the adverbal, if you like, where that ends and the subject begins. And that's so crucial. Whenever you have anything at the beginning, mm. it can be a dependent clause or in this case, it's actually a prepositional phrase. But whatever it is, anything before the subject, you need a comma because otherwise you're going to get lost. And it's so important, isn't it? When you, when you, to someone like me, I don't even understand what this means even now that I, I see the structure no. in the sentence, but I could put the, I'm, I'm looking for where should I put the comma? Mm -hmm. So I, it, for me, it could also be, I mean, it could equally well be that uh, options, uh, no, it couldn't because it's options is random, is not com grammatically correct. I mean, it could be in the first cycle mm. of the ACO selection of pipe, option is, is random. No, that's, uh -huh. it doesn't mm. work mm. because it's grammatically. Mm. But Counting mm. is wrong. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, but uh, you would completely lose the, uh, what they try to tell you if, yeah. if you don't you know, convey the structure using mm. commas. Yeah. And, and it's, because, it's because you don't see um, where this beginning that is something else but the subject ends yeah. so you need the sort of you need the comma after that unit that is not the subject mm. and we read that way don't we i mean if mm. i were to read if i knew if i were writing the sentence myself and i were to read it aloud i would say in the first cycle of the aco selection of pipe options mm. is random i would mm. i would use my intonation mm. i would use pauses to indicate where there is a shift Probably what I'm saying, yeah. and, and you won't put that pause in there if the, there is no comma in the sentence because you don't know where the sentence is going. Yeah, you but know? I think that's one of the best tricks that I've learned to to help people figure out where they might want to add commas to their mm. writing is read it aloud. Where do you, where do you think you need to pause? Mm -hmm. yeah. Put a comma where you, in many places mm. where you pause anyway because that will help your reader understand there's a pause here. And I'm not I'm not an expert in sort of where we put in these pauses. Uh, I know that we don't uh, make pauses or we don't necessarily pause be, uh, between words, uh, but I I do believe that we actually stop very briefly after these sentence introductions that are not subjects. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and that's because you know it's a different unit. It's it's a unit at the beginning that is not the subject, and we really need to know where the subject begins. Mm -hmm. I think that's also really important in an academic context where we're using such complex language a lot of the time. I mean, one of the reasons why that paraphrasing thing that you asked us to do earlier, yeah. if you try and explain it to someone who is not an academic expert, you're going to have to use more words mm -hmm. because you can't use the technical terminology. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you can't use the dense language. Exactly. Yeah. And so then I think it becomes even more important exactly. to, to make yeah. really good use of mm -hmm. commas because... Mm -hmm. It wouldn't. It's not unusual to say in the second phase of the disease treatment. No. To to use it to have everything be like noun phrases mm -hmm. instead mm -hmm. of having them be mm -hmm. single nouns. Mm -hmm. But to right? be we write in a complicated way. We do. Honest, I think uh, still to me, I'm an I mean, I'm in engineering, so mm -hmm. it, what your explanation is still a bit, a bit technical to yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but I I tend to think of it uh, in very simple terms. I think at least mm. that you know you have the independent clause, you have the dependent clause. How do you tell them part? Mm. So the independent clause uh, can form a sentence in and of itself. It contains a verb and a subject. Mm -hmm. So, for example, I wrote my first paper last month. Mm -hmm. You can put a period after that. Mm -hmm. Or uh, I started to work on a new experiment, period. Mm -hmm. uh, a dependent clause uh, also contains a subject and a verb, but uh, there is no it cannot form a sentence of itself. Mm -hmm. Usually there, it, it, it's because there is an extra word, like 
after I wrote my first paper last month, mm -hmm. or while the focus of this thesis is something. Mm -hmm. uh, you cannot put a because you cannot put a, a period after that because you wait for something else to happen in the sentence. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and and then the rule, as I've uh, learned it, is that if you have a, if a sentence starts with a dependent clause and, the, and then there is an independent clause after, you join them with a comma. Yeah, so I think for, that's a good rule. So, for example, after I wrote my first paper, comma, I started to work on a new experiment. Mm -hmm. And I think you would see a lot of people who don't put a comma there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because yeah. they don't think they need one because it just flows. After I wrote my first paper, I started to work on a new experiment. You exactly. could say it that way, too. Yeah. But and I think it just is, is, is courtesy to a reader. Yeah, and especially when you move into these, working with these more, uh, that the, the dense language and the longer mm -hmm. sentences, then, then it's crucial. Mm -hmm. and, and actually in that one, you could have said after the start of the first paper, or after my starting the first paper. Yeah. Mm -hmm. really so, complicated. so you could have something else than a dependent clause there. You could have another structure. So that was my point oh, before. Oh, you mean after writing my first yeah. paper? Yeah, I or after the start of my first paper or after something mm. like that. So One that doesn't actually have a verb of its own. Exactly. Yeah. But it's still going to be something that introduces that sentence that is different from the subject of this sentence that can stand on its own. Yeah. yeah. And then you also need a comma after Yeah. to know where the subject of the, the real thing starts. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The thing with the comma is that it signals to the reader that now the dependent clause comes up. Mm -hmm. So. Um, no, it signals to the reader when the independent clause. Yeah, sorry, yeah. the independent yeah. clause comes <laughs> up. Yeah, the one that could, could form a sentence by itself. Exactly. But if you, if you move them, if you switch places, mm -hmm. and this, this is where it may come, become a little complicated, mm -hmm. if the... Uh, uh, independent clause comes first. You don't have to put a comma there. So uh, you can say, I started to work on a new experiment after I wrote my first paper yep. without putting mm. a comma. Yeah. Mm. And so. it's because you have that after thing yeah. uh, that you, you know where the sort of dependent part begins and you also know what the subject, you know what the subject of the independent clause is. So if we go back to this in the first cycle of uh, the ACO, selection of pipe options, you know, if you have selection of pipe options is random in the first cycle of the ACO, yeah. then that works. Yeah. You put the subject, if, if you put the subject really early, then yeah. you don't have to worry so much about the commas. the commas there. Yeah. But to me, that comma, it signals that the independent clause is coming up because in yeah. the mm -hmm. first cycle of the yeah. ACO, comma, selection of pipe options is random. Yeah. Then you know, okay, this is... Yeah. And that's exactly the yeah. point. So when Avin says it signals when the independent clause begins... Uh, and I say it uh, signals when the subject of the independent clause begins. Mm. So it's 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 uh, roughly the same thing. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. um, uh, it's just the beginning of the independent clause. Yeah. It's yeah. Uh, and and the beginning of a, an independent clause is usually the subject. Mm -hmm. So whenever you have something else in front, it can be the dependent clause, like after I wrote my first paper, but it can also be something like in the first cycle of the disease. Mm. Mm. which is not a dependent clause because there's no verb in it, but it's a unit like the dependent clause. Mm. It's a, like a circumstance, when. It modifies mm. part of this, the main clause, yeah. the yeah. independent yeah. clause. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the when of it. Mm. Just like after I wrote my first paper is the when of it. 
in the first cycle of something is also when. Mm. Uh, and we call them adverbials in grammar. And we sometimes we put them at the beginning to just sort of background, give the background to when something happened or how something happened. But if we don't have a comma after, we don't know where the beginning of the independent clause is, yeah. the subject. Yeah. And that's, we need to know that. Yeah. And especially, like you said, Jenny, in this dense writing where mm -hmm. we have really long um, noun phrases, essentially. We have very long mm -hmm. ones. There is another very clear rule. I mean, uh, to me, this is uh, clear. If you have a, a dependent clause followed mm. by an independent clause, you join them with a comma. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and but another thing that often that I often come across when I read uh, papers uh, is that people uh, join two independent clauses with mm -hmm. a comma, and that's a no-no. That's a that big no-no. No. Yeah. Mm. So, for example. I wrote my first paper, comma, it took a month, yeah. period. That's, uh, I mean, I understand the sentence, but it's, you shouldn't, shouldn't do that. That's, that's okay for texting. That's not okay for academic writing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Can you read it again? So I wrote, I wrote my first paper, comma, it took a month, period. Yeah. So in both of those, you have a subject, I, in the first one, mm -hmm. and in the second one, it. Yeah. Yeah. So I did something. I wrote a paper, and that is a complete sentence. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we call it an independent clause yeah. or a main uh, or a simple sentence. <laughs> and then we have the next one. It took me a month or it took a month. It took a month. That's also a complete one. Yeah. So in order to combine those, we have those rules uh, in, uh, in language. that If we, if we want to combine those into a sentence, mm. we need those small words that you talked about. We need either... Um, it, uh, I we wrote... We need a coordinating conjunction. We need a coordinating or a subordinating. Yeah. Uh, I wrote my first paper... Um, but it took a month. But it took a month. Then we have a coordination. Mm. And a then but. that's fine. Fine, mm -hmm. a but. I'm not, I'm not quite sure whether we can turn this into... If you, you could also, uh, if you think that the use. last part is a, sort of an addition, that so, sort of, mm. then you can use a semicolon. Yeah. I wrote my first paper, semicolon, it took a month. Yeah. I like the semicolon there because, it, because the it becomes a little bit more concrete. Um, whenever you use an it mm. instead of a th actually saying what the thing is, mm. um, I like that. Yeah. The semicolon, uh, I usually call it punctuation for dummies. Yeah, yeah <laughs> academics like it. I like the semicolon. No, the thing is that I used to have problems with this. I used to write sentences like these. Uh, and a lot of us do because we want them to be, if we have two sentences that we feel are closely related, mm -hmm. and we really want them to stay together. And I think in novels, uh, you will see lots of these types of sentences. Maybe mm -hmm. they just use... Uh, uh, a dash or something between, but but um, you you see them a lot, mm. and and in blogs and in texts and and everywhere we see these sentences that can really stand on their own, but they're combined with a comma because yeah. people want them to to be together. Mm. They're connected in some way, and and I wrote like that, and then my instructor said, no, no, you have a lot of run-on sentences or comma splices. They're mm. called. Okay. A run on a sentence is a runs on, but mm. it's not supposed to, I guess. Is it a run on sentence specifically one that is grammatically incorrect too? If it's if it can be separated into two. So that sentences. first one I wrote my first paper, comma it took a month is a run on sentence. It's a run on sentence, yeah. mm. uh, not necessarily a long sentence, but one that is not correctly connected. 
Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. One that you you should have separated into yeah. two or uh, combined yeah. with a coordinating conjunction or a subordinating conjunction. I figured out how to make that a subordinate, but it, it, it's a little bit different. Uh-huh. Um, so I wrote my first paper, comma, it took a month. If you make it when I wrote my first paper, yeah. comma, it took a month. Exactly. Yeah. Because, so then, then we yeah. say there's a circumstances, there's a circumstance, and then yeah. something mm-hmm. happens. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then, then it's mm-hmm. a dependent and an independent clause. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know how to make the second half a dependent clause, but I think we can. Yeah. yeah. So see, so see, you alone. can use when to make one part dependent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or you can combine them uh, with a coordinating conjunction, and those would be the fanboys. Mm-hmm. Um, for, for and, and nor, nor but. but or, or yet. yet. So. So. Huh. Okay. Yeah. And so you can combine them with those. And then the subordinating conjunctions are a bit more tricky. There are more of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they are exactly like the sort of after you did something, when you did something, if you do something. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have those small words, you see that this isn't something that can stand on its own. It needs something else. And I, when it comes to the semicolon, maybe you should avoid that altogether. I think well, th- there's someone said... That the semicolon only the only thing the semicolon conveys is that you went to college. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, to go back to sort of my story about myself, uh, I found it so difficult because I wanted I really wanted to produce these run-on sentences. I wanted to produce sentences that that were somehow signaled to be together because they mm. were in my head they were so closely related that I wanted them. I didn't want to separate them with a period. Mm. So I started to use the semicolon because I realized that you can do that. I understood that I don't have intuitions for when something is an independent clause, obviously. So it was like a trick. So it was a trick. Yeah, Yeah, so it was a workaround. And that's why I call it punctuation for dummies. Because if you don't know whether you have two independent clauses in your sentence uh, and no coordinating conjunction and no subordinating, if you don't know that... Mm then you can always use the semicolon in the place where you would have, you know, where you would like to use the... Um, so uh, that, that's, the, that's how I built up the intuition for where to put a comma is to think, is this a complete sentence? Could, it, yeah. could this be mm-hmm. a complete yeah. sentence in yeah. itself? And so mm-hmm. then I see it. And mm-hmm. I, that it's easier for me than to think in terms of uh, coordinating conjunctions yeah. and uh, yeah. verbs. And and, so you're yeah. a little bit farther ahead than I was than when I uh, was writing my first um, essays. Uh, and now, of course, I can explain it and I understand everything about it. So now it's easy for me to see too. But I remember the feeling of not actually, ah, what is a complete sentence? Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's difficult. Um, but you can develop a feel for it. Usually. As is pretty much what happens when you grow up speaking English mm. and don't do more than two weeks of grammar in your entire education. Exactly. Where you just sort of have to build intuition for it instead. I I, I, I don't know. You, you can call it punctuation for dummies, but I like the semicolon. Yeah, the semicolon. Mm. It's, it's when neat. it's used well, I yeah. think it's a brilliant thing. And not but overused. Exactly. Mm. That's the problem, is that it, it gets tempting to use it all the time. It's like, oh, but these sentences are connected. No, yeah. it's cool if there's a period there. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not a big deal. Or you can it, use and or or, or yeah, but. Yeah. We talked first about how punctuation helps clarity. Yeah. And then I established that um, we have pauses, so we need to make pauses somewhere in the sentence in order to make it easy to read. Mm. And the pauses are not necessarily between words, but they are between other types of units, units that have functions yeah. in yeah. the sentence. So we know to kn- we need to know where the subject of the 
independent clause of the main thing begins. Mm. What is it that is or does something? Because that's mm. the sort of main thing uh, in the sentence. So therefore, we need the past if we have anything at the beginning, like a dependent clause, mm. after I've read my, or in the first cycle of something, mm -hmm. and then comes the what is mm. or what does. Then we need a comma after. If we start with the subject, it's much easier. So we need to, to have the punctuation guide us about the pauses so that we know, so that we can easily see the units mm. of the clause. And for those of you who are interested in grammar, the units would be adverbials, subjects, direct objects, mm. and that, uh, that sort of thing. And the most important one is the subject that we need to know where the subject begins, mm. because otherwise it's going to get very confusing. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, so that was clarity. Mm. Yeah, and you wanted to say something. Else. Yeah, there, there's another thing that I have learned. Um, there are only three no, three things that I know about commas. <laughs> <laughs> it's the independent clause, the yeah. independent clause. And then there is something I have learned that's called a phrase. Yeah. So that's something that does not uh, have a subject or a verb. Mm. Mm -hmm. So it could be something like in the dark. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that you, and you put a comma after that as well. Mm -hmm. So, for example, you could say in the dark, comma, people tend to bump into walls. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then you, and that's the independent clause. Yeah. Or moved to tears, comma. There's no subjects there. No. Mm -hmm. So moved to tears, comma. She opened the gift. Yes. Or, so there. So see, there you go. Uh, when we talked about this, anything that comes before the subject. Yeah. Yeah. Those would be phrases coming uh, before the subject. And one of them actually is sort of a clause, but... Never mind. Uh, the first one was a prepositional phrase, and that was just like in the first cycle of the ACO, mm. comma. Mm. Your first one there, you had in uh, the, in the dark. In the dark. So you can you can expand that and you say when you are in the dark. And that would be a dependent clause. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So a phrase uh, prepositional phrases are sort of reduced. Um, uh, dependent clauses, if you like. Yeah. And, and and the point of it is like anything that comes before. And actually, if you have something that is called um, linking mm. word or cohesive device, so if you have something like in other words, mm -hmm. um, or over, however, however, therefore, therefore, yeah. Which, which we tend to overuse, I think, in academic writing yeah. because mm. we want to create a sense of linking between sentences. Mm -hmm. Uh, when it, there are better devices, which we will talk about in another episode. In another episode. Yeah. But there too. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a sentence introduction that comes before the subject. Yep. So we, we like the comma after there too. I so would just like to, to yeah. argue for the Oxford comma mm. yeah. as, like a, as like a final <laughs> point. Um, it's not necessary. We can understand a list mm. without the Oxford serial comma. Mm. But if we're talking about clarity, if we're thinking in terms of like, how can I make this reading experience as easy as possible for my reader? Mm. And how can I possibly, as the writer of the dairy delivery truck driver contracts, avoid putting my employer in a position of having to pay out $5 million mm. yeah. in a settlement for overtime? Um, it's, it costs very little, and I think it offers a lot. And so I don't understand why anybody objects. So why no, not use I really a comma? I, I also like I also like commas. I mm. put them in whenever I can. Yeah. Uh, and I tell my students that you know sometimes maybe you don't have to put a comma after mm. the sentence introduction. Uh, like uh, if you say uh, yesterday I went to something, mm -hmm. then it's fairly 
clear that mm. I is going to be the subject and maybe you can skip the comma. Mm. But why not just... Doesn't cost anything. Doesn't cost anything. Exactly. And it's, it's a good rule, I think. Anything that comes before the subject, a dependent clause or a prepositional phrase or other items. So, let's wrap this up. I think so. Should we? And uh, I think we have more to say because, you know, um, we've talked about the comma, mm -hmm. talked about the Oxford comma, and we've talked about commas after introductory items. Really, those are the ones we've talked about. And, and we've talked a little bit about run-on sentences, uh, but we haven't talked about the question mark, the exclamation point, a little bit about the semicolon, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but um, apostrophes, parentheses... Mm -hmm. We have lots. We have of, a lot. We have we lots of punctuation. Yeah. You know, my favorite with. punctuation mark of all time mm -hmm. is the interrobang. Interrobang. <laughs> interrobang. You, you have to explain. One? No, it's the combination of an exclamation point and a question mark oh. in one. Okay, There's also apparently one that has been come up, that has been invented. I don't think it's used very much. A, sarca a sarcasm mm -hmm. punctuation mark mm -hmm. to make it a little bit clearer when you write an email. Yeah. So you don't come across as a jerk. <laughs> yeah, because this is, you know, this is difficult communication. And, and that's, I mean, that's the morale of the story. Mm -hmm. When you write something, yeah. you have to make it clearer than when you talk because, you know, you don't have we that. don't have that. No, you don't have advantage. the luxury of, uh, of explaining something again. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, let's just postpone all of the other talk about exclamation points and, uh, and all of the other punctuation marks. Uh, we'll talk about those in other ep episodes and just wrap this up and say until next time. Thanks for listening. I'll go right to the